0: And ladies and gentlemen, he's one of the all-time greats, my buddy, Mr. John Wayne.
1: You're listening to the John Wayne Gritcast with me, Ethan Wayne. The hell I him. We're talking all about the life and legacy of my father. John Wayne. Mr. John Wayne. John Wayne is the United States of America. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. Hey everybody! Today, this episode is going to be fun for me because we have one of the most beautiful girls who ever came out of Newport Beach, California, Julie Comstock, and she actually, at at 18, got hired to work for my father. And so, one, at you know, her at my house every day, which was really <laughs> cool for me as a young boy. Uh, but two, she has stories that I don't have, and so hope you guys enjoy it.
2: It was so beautiful, and you know, kind of a, the U shape and the you know patio in between and the gorgeous view it was not a bad place to go to work every day for but sure did,
1: had you just graduated when you got hired there like had you just it was a year thing? i
2: was a year out of high school and um the way that it came about was in high school and growing up i always played tennis and i continued to play tennis afterwards and john wayne tennis club oh yeah um i was playing at john wayne tennis club with you know some of my friends and Uh, There's like a, you know, a coordinator or whatever of the tennis group. And after I was done playing, you know, she assigned the courts to people and that kind of thing. So when I was done playing with my friends, she came over to me. She goes, hey, you know, can I ask you a favor? You know, there's somebody here that is new to, you know, the area. She doesn't really know people. And she really wants to, you know, meet up with some people that she can play tennis with. And so she goes, would you mind, you know, playing a match with her? And I said, sure, you know, no problem. So I start playing tennis, and it was Pat Stacy.
1: Oh, you're kidding me.
2: Yes. And so, you know how when you're playing tennis, between points, you kind of come to the net, and you kind of chit-chat and that type of thing. So, you know, she was super sweet, and she just said, hey, you know, at the end of the match, she goes, you know, I really don't know anybody in town. And obviously, there was an age difference. I was 18, I was 19 years old, probably 19. And I'm not sure how old she was, but I would say late 30s, you know, 40 maybe at that time. And so, but she said, you know, hey, you know, I really don't know anybody. You seem like a really nice person. Would you want to go grab some lunch kind of thing? So I said, sure. So we, I remember we went to the Good Earth Cafe. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah, that was in I Fashion do. Island. Fashion Island. The Good Earth Cafe. And we sat and talked and, you know, somehow it came up she said you know um you know where i work you know we're looking for someone else you know to help and you know at the time i was working i was going to school at orange coast college i was working at a tennis shop and i also worked at the balboa bay club racket club helping with like the junior program of tennis so but they were all you know kind of random things so she said well if you're interested um in doing something different you know i'll give you a call and you can come and meet my boss and you know he can interview you and we'll see what happens and i said okay well, that sounds like fun but she she didn't mention who it was you know and so back in those did, days did you know
1: aisa or yes, any of my family okay yes
2: uh well I, I, she was two years ahead of me in school so uh-huh. i i knew aisa which i have a great story about that which we'll have to get to um sorry. but it wasn't i'm sorry but it wasn't like You know, we were friends, Uh you know, but I knew who she was. So, uh, anyway, back in the day, obviously we didn't have cell phones, so I gave her my work number at the tennis shop that I worked at, which was on 17th Street, right at Irvine and 17th Street, Dr. John's tennis shop. Yeah, I
1: remember.
2: And then I gave her my home phone number. So, this was obviously on a Saturday, so Monday rolls around. I'm at work after going to school, and The phone rings and it's her and she says, I know this is super last minute and everything, but you know, this is a really good time. If you could come meet him, you know, he's available to meet you.
1: And I said This is almost like red flags to me. You know what I mean? Like somebody comes on that straw and be like, Okay, lady, I'm out.
2: (laughs) So um I said I, uh, I think I can get away, you know, because there was someone else working at the shop at the same time, but I'm, like, in my tennis gear. I don't know if that's appropriate, you know. And she goes, oh, no, it's super casual. It's fine. Just come down. So, you know, the girl that was working with me, I said, can I, you know, step out for a while? And she said, sure. So she gave me the address. I went down to your house in Bay Shores, which was obviously very close to 17th Street, and she, you know she met me out at the gate and we walked down the side of the house yeah. the right you know out to which was I think technically the guest house that had yeah, been converted right. into the office right. so it was right on the water and you know I'm kind of thinking you know I didn't really you know know what to think so we go in and we start talking Pat, Stacey and I and she's kind of explaining what the needs are and what I would be doing and kind of giving me a description of the well, job. Was and anybody
1: else there? Like was Kathy Mahalovich? Kathy Mahalovich. Mahalovich. Oh, Kathy oh. Mahalovich
2: was there. And she, so then Pat kind of goes on to say that um, the reason they need, you know, to hire someone is that in the near future that your dad was going to be going to Boston to have his open heart right. surgery. And she said, you know, I'm going to be accompanying him there. And so we need somebody to hold down the fort at the office while, you know... while that's taking place yes we're we're getting there okay Okay. (laughs) so um so anyway uh so we're talking and that type of thing and then all of a sudden you know i think it was like an intercom system or something where like you know she kind of buzzed for your dad hey you know we're in here if you're you know so he came out and in all honesty you know having grown up in this area your dad your dad was kind of just like around. Like you. Would, people would see him, yeah. you know, at Westcliff Plaza.
1: Yeah. It was a much smaller community. We a, all went to the same drugstore Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It
2: was just so small beach community. And so yeah. I want to say, not that it wasn't a big deal, but I, I think people were just. Were he, he was like, he was like yeah. a, a normal guy to everybody else. Just yeah. somebody in the community or to the people that lived here, I should say. Yeah. Because we had seen him around and whatnot. But I will never forget the feeling when he actually walked in the room that I, it was kind of like overcoming. He was completely larger than life. Yeah. He was like this presence when you're in like a room with him that it was just like larger than life is the only way I can kind of explain it.
1: And what year would this be?
2: So that would have been 78. 78. Like early... Oh, wait, early 77, maybe. Okay. I think he had his surgery in 78, though.
1: We can Google when he went to Boston for his... I uh, think he
2: went in April. He had a
1: heart valve replaced.
2: April, I think he had his surgery like April 3rd. I remember because my birthday is April 4th. April 3rd of 78, I believe.
1: Wow. Happy birthday. Thank you.
2: And so, um, is that right?
1: What was it, 78? 78.
2: So this is a few months... (laughs) okay close i was close um so so this was earlier in the, earlier in that year and kind of getting prepared for when he was going to leave so anyway he comes into the office and you know like i said it was kind of it did kind of take me back a little bit because he was kind of a big presence for sure and not just in stature, but just personality, personality. Warmth, yes, friendliness, super, yeah. super friendly. And, you know, I'm just this young, stupid, you know, 19 year old girl. And so, but it was pretty, I
1: like where you're going with this. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so he, so we kind of chit chatted a little bit for a few minutes and then this is probably not paraphrasing it exactly correctly, but he said something to the effect, well, if, you, if, if your work is as good as your smile, then you got the job. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, so it was really cute. So
1: I'm gonna give a little backstory. Uh, my father had a secretary for 40 years named Mary St. John, mm-hmm. who retired. Um, and I think Mary onboarded Pat Stacy mm-hmm. to take over. Pat Stacy, I think I don't know if Mary or Pat hired Kathy Mahalevich.
2: Kathy Mahalevich, yeah. Uh, Pat c- did.
1: Because I was just you know was a like a young teenager, yes, I didn't know what was going on. But you know Mary went away. Pat Stacy showed up. Kathy came on, and then you joined shortly after Kathy, right? right? Exactly. Which blew my mind. Uh, and then the other <laughs> thing was like I, you know Pat Stacy went from not only a secretary but sort of a companion to my father Correct. for a number of years, and. uh she was different, and as you know, as a, as a young guy, like I didn't really appreciate her, yeah. Uh, so that's just personal stuff, like you know, whatever. Uh, but it, it, it's interesting that she went to the tennis club, which my mom, you know, sort of spearheaded. and then was playing tennis. I just know, is
2: that like, odd? What they're doing? What? yeah, it's
1: very stirring the pot, stirring the pot. She was a little bit of a pot stir, like for the kids, I think. I could be wrong, but I've been told that she would, you know, direct how his feelings should be sometimes. I don't know.
2: Could be. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so because like you said, she had kind of evolved into like being a companion to him also, she was going to go with him to Boston for this surgery and they felt that they needed more, you know, support at the office. So that was it. So I started the next day. Wow. So, um, and I was still going to school. Did they pay you well? (laughs) You know what? I mean, who, when you look back, I was paid by Bat Jack. Your brother signed my, Michael signed my checks always. So it came through Bat Jack Productions, the paycheck. I
1: was with his whole family yesterday. All his girls, his son and his uh, widow Gretchen. Fun. Yeah.
2: Fun. So, um, So basically, you know, I would come there to the office. I I went to school three mornings a week from 8 to 12. And then from 12 to 6, I worked there. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I worked all day, 9 to 6. And, you know, most of my responsibilities were... You know answering the phone this is like i said the old school days where you know somebody i one story that was really funny because they have the,
1: the lighted buttons at the bottom oh yeah you put them on
2: hold but this is a fu- kind of a funny story because you you know obviously we'd screen the calls like we'd say hello hi and then they'd say oh can i talk to duke and you're like well may i ask who's calling and they're like well this is you know they're You know, a lot of people were very confident that they should just be put right through, let's put it that way. But I remember this one time, Telly Savalas was calling him. And he kept on, his accent or what, he goes, goes, it's Telly. And I'm like, I'm sorry, could you tell me who it is again? Because I wanted to be sure that I was saying... It's Telly, and his voice just came out. It's Telly Savalis. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it's like, so, you know, part of my responsibility was answering. Telly Savalis
1: was big star at that time.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yes.
2: So, pick, you know, answering the phone and then, you know, calling into the house because at this point, at this point, your dad, you know, probably wasn't feeling his best, yeah. you know, pre having that surgery. So he was in the house a lot. He'd have friends come over. They'd play cards, and but he, you know, he was around all the time. So he'd come out to the office. Hey, checking on you girls. What are you doing? And
1: would he sat at the other little round table. Yes, yeah. and
2: and he was very. Um, so the other part of my responsibility was opening all the, the fan box. mail. Oh, okay. The fan mail that so he would get letters every day from people, and he was really sweet. He said if anybody, he, he would answer every single letter to some degree, so that's where the shorthand came in that I was not that great at. <laughs> like, quickly it's, writing down. Where did
1: you pick up shorthand, in high school? Uh,
2: no, I was, I, I was taking it at, in college. Oh, wow. You know, this is obviously before computers and that kind of thing. I'm
1: trying to remember what I learned at <laughs> Newport Harbor yeah, it wasn't
2: It what... wasn't <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, he's, you know, I would read the letter to him, And then he would say, okay, we'll say, you know, da, 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 da. And so quickly trying to scribble down in shorthand so that I could go back, go to the... And this is before you just didn't back up if you made a mistake on a typewriter. You had this correcting paper. You'd have to put like the white and backspace. So you wanted to be very sure that you were doing it right the first time. Otherwise it would be a mess. So, so I would, you know, and most of these people were requesting a photograph, a signed autograph. So in that office we had tons of photographs of him and some people would request a certain one from like true grit or whatever it might be. So he would get that out and he was great. He would sign to whoever the person was, or if they were requesting for somebody else. Um, And then so part of my job was putting the letter in with the photograph that he would sign and mailing that off. So a lot of fan mail, a lot of, um, you know, just answering the phones. I'll get to another story. There were a couple days that he came in and says, Julie, can you do me a favor? "Uh, Sure. He goes, even something happened at school. They need me to come pick him up. Would you go get him? What school? Newport Harbor High School. Seriously? Yes. Like you got in trouble one day and they were shut asking you to be picked up. Me. Wow. <laughs> and uh, so he sent me to pick you up. I'm surprised you don't remember that.
1: <laughs> That's why I got a lot of street cred when Julie Comstock rolls up and picks you up. I'm like, oh, gotta go. <laughs> gotta go. See you guys later. Gotta,
2: gotta go. Dollars. Gotta go. So um, that happened a couple times. <laughs> Uh, but it was
1: it's funny it, i don't remember that
2: yes well but i have a few other stories that you probably don't remember either i wiped out some brain cells <laughs> back in the day so but it was it was very a uh, of great atmosphere daisy and rosa the two oh, yeah. gals that would you know make him lunch every day and yeah. um
1: it's funny that this was a whole new crew that came in like Mary St. John going yes. out and Fausto and Feli yes going and, out and then the new the new people and it was new and it was also a time when my father was when I was young he would have time to spend with me and we you know do homework together and we would do things together at that time when he wasn't feeling good he was having to go through stuff with my mom he's got Pat Stacy in there he has health issues there wasn't a lot of time that we spent together. And right. I can look back and, and just know the feeling of like... Right. You're just a young boy. You just become rudderless. Like yeah. You, you go from having direction to just... Just... You just kind of flow in wherever there's something. Yeah. And it's... You know, it's rough because he was... He would be great when he'd focus on things with you. Like, you know, math. Or I liked math. But math you get behind if you don't stay up on it every single lesson right, or every right. single thing that you, right. that you learn. I remember kinda of getting behind in algebra and and the feeling of like not having like I knew wasn't there to do it with. And right. my mom was, you know, doing different stuff. So it was just uh it was I, looking back it was a little bit of a hollow feeling or an empty right. feeling where it didn't feel like home like right. it did. It was a little bit cooler. And I don't know how yeah. else to describe it but it definitely had an effect on my schoolwork (laughs) for sure yeah um and then another thing that i was going to just interject before you keep going is that um i don't know how much mail came every day but we have uh a crate a big wooden vault of bags of mail those big heavy bags and each one has hundreds and hundreds of letters and things that have never been opened since Uh, that time well Uh, and we have them in the museum but we'd like to one day take a look at some of those
2: yeah well fast so pre him going to boston for that surgery there would probably be maybe 20 letters a day that would come in which was manageable to read read to him him answer we, you know, everybody had different requests, but most of them were wanting a signed autograph or something like that. Um, but then, post the surgery, all of a sudden, the bags were coming it's in.
1: Starting to come. Okay. Bags
2: and bags and bags. And in the beginning, he had us starting to c- kind of filter through them. And he wasn't able to look at all of them, obviously. We would look at them. And at first, he said, if they're just wishing me well, then we're not gonna be able to get to it. If they are actually asking for something, I want to get back to them. If they're requesting something, if they're just sending well wishes, then we're not gonna be able to, you know, cause there were bags and yeah. bags and bags. But then obviously we could just never keep up on it. It was just, that's probably what you have is you, all.
1: We have to, you guys have to come out to Fort Worth and go through the museum. That'd be so And fun. then we should figure out what we're gonna do with the fan mail. It's an enormous amount. It's probably we'll have to look at the stamps and see like it's probably when you were there. Yes. Yes. But we, we might make like a book out of it or do something for the Cancer Foundation with it. But, you know, I, there's this show that's been on the air for 50 years in Texas called Texas Country Reporter. And so they came and they did a big thing on the exhibit and John Wayne. And then the guy goes, well, you just can we just grab one of those things and you open it. And it was from like. You know a, a guy who'd been in like world war ii in vietnam and he'd written this poem for my dad i couldn't speak like i got i got one paragraph in and I, you know i sounded like a little girl my yeah, voice so went choked up and up. I couldn't check couldn't get through it so there's some really touching stuff in there and yeah. and i'm cutting you off again but no, no. I, we've also seen in the files and these may have been files that, that you you were around for you know where somebody would say hey you know, we got this team, we can't afford uniforms, and he'd just buy the whole team uniforms right. or do this or send somebody money. I mean, it was it's right. just constant. Yes, he was very... outflow from... He was very
2: generous and, like I said, really made a big point of making sure that if anybody did request something that we acknowledged it in mm. some way or got back to them as mm. opposed to just like throwing it in the pile of all the other things.
1: I know I said some negative things about Newport Harbor. Newport Harbor no. was fine. It was <laughs> it was me and what I was going through at the time. And I got to tell you, one guy made a difference in my life. Bill Wakeman. Mm. You remember Bill Wakeman? I sure do. Taught English?
2: I sure do, Mr. So Wakeman. So he
1: would, uh, he one day a week, he would do Uncle Bill's story hour or something like that where he would, get a book and he just read to us out of the book and so cool. uh, I don't know what period that was but I <laughs> you know my eyes were a little red by the time I got to his Uncle Bill's story hour <laughs> and he'd read and I started reading and it you know I, I didn't finish high school and I, you know some things happened in a different way in my life but that interest in story and reading really uh, it's where I got the education that I have, and it was also my interest in you know story, like right. tying me back to what my father did and what I did for a while. You know, it's all about that yeah story. Cool. So, thanks, Bill. Yes, he was a cool guy. He was a cool
2: guy. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so let's see. I have a I have a couple <laughs> stories. All right, let me have it. <laughs> <laughs> And it this doesn't sound like it's talking about your dad, but when we get to the end of the story, you'll see that it is about your dad. Uh, um, so one day I'm at in the office and Aisa comes in, and she goes, Julie, come here, I have to talk to you. I'm like, okay. So we go outside and she goes, I got you, you have to do something with me. And I'm like, uh, okay, what are you talking about? And she goes, and th- just to preface this, it was if it wasn't halloween it was right around halloween and there was a place called bobby mcgee's oh, yeah. which was on the coast highway yeah. very close to bay shore's yeah. entrance and
1: uh was bobby mcgee's where soul canteen is or the tavern house
2: it it's no it's where like starbucks. the starbucks and that gas station you know, oh, like that yeah, yeah, the okay, starbucks right. that's on the other side of bayside yeah. there mm-hmm. so she's like you've got to do this with me and i'm like what? And she goes, she goes, I think Ethan has a girlfriend or a girl that he's going to hang out with. And she goes, I want to go spy on him. I'm like, I'm not going to go spy on him. (laughs) You know? And she goes, she goes, no, I just can't believe, you know, I'm trying to think like, you were probably only sixteen. How in the heck you got into Bobby McGee's? I don't really know. But
1: in those days it wasn't hard. Remember, what was the, the what's it Isidores? Do you remember yes. isadores
2: And you would dance. It was like a bar, but you know, there was dancing and it was you know, you, you kind could of like eat there
1: too. Of, and of the of guy'd something. go like, Hey, I'm patio furniture. Yes. And you know, they'd have like weird names and <laughs> you know, they'd have outfits on and they'd <laughs> is that Bobby McGee's, right? Yes. Yeah.
2: And so so anyway, Aisha is saying I'm just so curious because I think she's thinking of you as her younger little brother. Like, you no, know, she's like got
1: some alternative thing. You know, like going.
2: what, you know, what is she's he doing? Try to hang me for something. something. So <laughs> she goes, I really, we're going to go. And it was because it was close to Halloween or you had to wear costumes. Everybody was wearing costumes. Hmm. And so I go, I don't have a costume. And she goes, don't worry about it. I've got you covered. So I'm sure your dad probably didn't wasn't too happy about this but she goes into the house she goes into the linen closet gets two like beautiful sheets cuts holes in them to make it like ghosts and makes ghost costumes for us out of sheets from the house and of course you know bob muggies doesn't start until later in the evening so she goes well we'll just go to dinner or do something before we go and see if we can see ethan and see what he's doing
1: this is older than julie
2: Yeah, she's two years older than I am. Yeah, so I said, okay, you know, um, so long story short. You're pretty easygoing. Yes, (laughs) go with the flow. So uh, I was driving, so I drove her, and, you know, we drive up and they had a valet. So, of course, you didn't have the option to park your own car, so you had to use the valet, which was fine, but here I am in a ghost costume, if you will, and you know, I have, you know, a purse like this that I don't want to have to be dealing with while I'm inside the bar. So I remember taking my purse and sticking it like underneath the seat of my car, thinking I would kind of hide it a little bit. So anyway, we go inside and we're In those days
1: there was space under the seat. Yes,
2: there was space under the seat. Yes. So stick the purse in there. Obviously, the valet has the keys. We go inside and, you know, much to her disappointment, we were like cruising around. We could not find you or there was there was uh, we weren't being able to spy on you Mm. like she was hoping to and get some, you know, good scoop on whoever this girl was that you were supposedly meeting up with there. And Mm. I don't even know how she got the information that this was happening. But anyway, so fast forward. I'm like, you know what, this is ridiculous. He's not here. We, you know. So finally we leave. I drive her, you know, drop her off at the house, go to my house, park the car, you know, go in the house, go to bed. So the next morning when I'm waking up have to go to school, I go out to, you know, leave, and I'm like, where did I put my purse? kind of thing. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I put it in my car underneath the seat. So I go out to my car, lo and behold, the purse is not there. Oh no. So Obviously, the valet or somebody in that parking lot took my purse, and uh, so I went through the whole thing of you know canceling, getting a new driver's license. There are
1: consequences to these things that you put people through.
2: (laughs) So, you know, you have to go through the whole thing of you know getting a new driver's license, et cetera, et cetera. But so, fast forward two or three weeks, let's say. At my house, at, I got a phone call from a postman in Costa Mesa. and he said, "Hey, is this you know Julie Comstock?" And I said yes." and he goes, "I you know was doing my postal route, and I kind of, to have my lunch, I pulled behind Kmart, which was on Harbor Boulevard there, just to park my car, eat my sandwich. And I noticed kind of where the dumpster was that it looked like you know a purse or something behind it. So he said, I, you know, went and looked at it and lo and behold, I found your wallet and your ID and stuff. So I gave you a call, you know, so obviously whoever, you know, they took the cash or whatever was in there and, you know, then dumped the purse, you know, behind Kmart there. So I said, oh my gosh, that's so nice. He goes, I would love to, you know, get it back to you somehow. So I said, that'd be great. So, you know, the next day I come to work and I'm telling your dad this story. I didn't, tell him the part about how this happened I just said my I just told him that my purse was no, stolen no, she's in deep, she's yes right? yeah. so now you're trapped. yes yes okay. so I Welcome to my family. <laughs> so I didn't tell him exactly what led up to my purse being stolen but I had mentioned the fact that you know my purse had been stolen but then I had gotten this phone call from this nice postman who you know, had found the purse and, you know, took the time to call me and want to return it to me. So he says, oh my gosh, that is just like so awesome. So he... Is
1: anybody worried that the postman is the guy who stole the purse and <laughs> thought you were cute on your driver's license <laughs> photo and is mean, I mean, trying to lure you down an alley? <laughs> this is-
2: you know, I think it, it was, life was so simple and innocent then. I don't think people went down that road in their head. But so your dad was super cute and so i told him that i was going to be meeting this guy which like i guess when you say that out loud it does sound a little creepy but back in the day people didn't think that way yes so uh he wrote he you know one one of his a a picture of himself he wrote on it to i can't think of what the guy's name was now but whatever his name was he goes uh if there were more people like you in the world the world would be a better place you know, and so that when I went to pick up my purse, I had that to give to the postman.
1: So. It was a postman and it was... Yes. was oh, good. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I'm still here. <laughs> I thought this is where
1: you got abducted, <laughs> taken to Mexico.
2: No, no. So so that was really cute. And I think the, the point of that, too, besides how nice it was of your dad to do that, is people loved your dad this guy I mean he practically started crying he couldn't even believe it I mean your dad was such a big part of his life and his growing up and his experience and somebody he looked up to and respected to that respected that a postman he he was just like overcome you know with that gesture I would Mm -hmm. say and I think um, I, I think a lot of people don't really understand possibly the impact that he has had on so many people
1: I also, you know, I often think before social media, before the internet, before cable TV, you know, you got, you went to the movies and a lot of, you know, a lot of messaging came from those films and he had, you know, over 50 years, you know, two or three films a year Mm -hmm. that would deliver to the world you know sort of he 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 talked about his character like what he wanted in his character he wanted to be somebody that you wanted to be your best friend someone that you wanted to marry your daughter someone that you wanted your son to be someone that you wanted your father to be like he wanted this amalgamation of of good character and and values and someone who sort of tried to do the right thing even though they might be flawed right so you, you have this john wayne character and i wonder how much john wayne you know, influenced people being strong and being honest and trying to, you know, trying to reset their moral compass right. to, to north as opposed to what, you know, you watch The Sopranos or Ozark or some of these amazing TV series. They're really well done. They're well written. They're well shot. They're, they're amazing productions, but their characters are, are, are uh, you know, they're not aspirational. Like John Wayne's character was aspirational; you wanted to be like him. He made you want to be a better person, and it happens to this day. Right. You know, I had to watch The Searchers the other day, which is one of his darkest characters. But you still see him come around at the end and sort of redeem himself. Um, and I watched The Cowboys, and that movie reminds me of my relationship with my father more than any other film. Hmm uh the way he interacts with those boys right? and about the, about the time you came in is is about the time that that we started i was a teenager he had a lot of issues just we didn't get that time together right and there were opportunities that i know that i missed to spend time with him because of the situation right my mom him pat stacy me yeah you know all those things that were happening there were a couple things that i wish we'd done together that we didn't and you know wish we wish we could have i think Uh, i mean
2: i i I, something else that i was gonna mention too is i think when you're young because i was young also obviously you don't have the perspective to appreciate certain things in life and these pictures that i brought to show you of (laughs) on, on my i had my 21st birthday um, while working for your dad, and he was very sweet and had champagne and cake and everything for me. And um, at that time, he we were sitting having the cake and whatnot. And he said, "Oh my God, you know, if I could be 21 again and know what I know now," and he kind of started telling me some different stories. And like I said, you kind of kick yourself, which I'm sure you kind of might feel the same way it's like you didn't appreciate what the value behind that yeah. story was at the time because we were too young and we were just like we didn't appreciate that if that yeah. makes sense mm-hmm. so i don't think you were probably especially being your dad probably even less focused on really retaining all of these you know stories that he might have passed on yeah. to you because you know you're a kid and you're just doing your thing yeah and you don't you don't have the the at our age now we can look back and what you were saying. Oh my gosh! If I had done this, you you can appreciate that.
1: Yeah. But I mean, when you're young, been, you can't. Well, he would have been 70s late sixties. Yeah. Seventy, something like yeah. that.
2: Okay. Well, I'm going to show oh you a gosh. picture of yourself that you'll like. So this was uh, obviously me and your dad.
1: Look at your hair, Julie. I know. Look at that wow, hair. Beautiful.
2: Past my butt.
1: Yeah, he was already slimming down there. That's well, uh... the,
2: so I was kind of, when I was looking at this picture, as I said, my birthday is April 4th and he passed on June 12th. Uh, and so you so can, really
1: you can see. So really about from this time on, he was up in the hospital.
2: This was very close to that time, for sure.
1: For sure. Because at that time he had, you know, he only had, he basically just had one lung because they took the other one out for cancer years earlier. Was at this time, this was this is a tough time for me. Loved my dad, like loved my dad, but we were in a weird spot. I wasn't crazy about Pat Stacy. Yeah, I was having a little difficulty with Pilar. Uh, there's you're, a big gap between yeah. Aisa and myself. Um, I was and giving you're him like breathing treatment treatments, yeah. you know, where you like have to he'd have to inhale that that machine would blow stuff into his lungs and we'd lay him down and like pound his back mm-hmm. with cupped hands and so he could like clear his lungs to breathe and then um, I remember taking him to Hogue and he got in the back of the station wagon like he laid down in the back and I drove him over there and I don't know Bob Egan, somebody was there and they're like, no, nah, he's got to go to UCLA and drove him up there that mm-hmm. night and I don't think he ever came back um
2: Possibly not.
1: But, you know, I was like 17, driving to L.A. Like, yeah. I'd never driven to L.A. I you know, I don't know how I found UCLA. And then there were photographers there, so we had to, like, race around to the back. It was weird. Yeah. Weird time. But, you know, you look at him, and he just looks a little unhealthy.
2: Yeah. Poor he, guy. He, he was definitely thin yeah. at that point, for sure. I'm not trying
1: to mess up your birthday. I'm just saying.
2: No. No. So then. Uh, you guys have to look at. So this is uh,
1: another one. Oh my gosh!
2: And then the best one, the one with Ethan in it. Sure. <laughs> so Pat, the, it, Stacy, Teresa,
1: yes. my dad. Who's this?
2: Her name was Marcy, and right, um, this was after after all these bags of um, mail, mail came in after you know his. So right towards the end. Oh
1: my gosh, you look exactly the same. Uh, you're so isn't that amazing
2: <laughs> hardly hardly your hair is
1: about three feet shorter yes <laughs> judging by these photos but
2: but um so she they had her come in just to go through start going through those bags of mail uh, but um this so this is cute. ethan just kind of strutting around without his shirt on oh boy. Look
1: at let's see <laughs> oh my gosh yeah look at that add one eyebrow <laughs> from one side to the other <laughs> look at that oh, <laughs> that's so funny so marcy you
2: to... yeah you can have those i'll leave them for you wow <laughs> but that um,
1: yeah i remember all this this is crazy
2: so you know it was just a beautiful setting right out in front of the house right on the water there and so had a little 21st birthday celebration for me and that
1: is cute Isn't that cute? I was there on your 21st birthday. You were
2: there on my 21st birthday. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? I know.
1: We've known each other a long time. Yeah. (laughs) In honor of your birthday. (laughs) I'm totally coming without a shirt to your next birthday.
2: (laughs) sounds like a good plan. Oh, my gosh. But, Uh um, you know, it was a really, you know, awesome experience, obviously. And... At one point when I had finished um, you know going to Orange Coast College and I was going to transfer someplace else, I mean, obviously this is a once in a lifetime experience, so I you know decided just to go locally to Fullerton to finish as opposed to moving you know going oh. someplace else
0: wow. you know
2: and um you know he was just always you know like I said, larger than life sweet, big teddy bear, um, very very kind person and you know the the things you remember you sent the station wagon Mm -hmm. that you probably have talked about this before but Barney remember Barney oh yeah Barney that used to drive him around and
1: did did you ever know George Coleman who was there was a whole new crew that came in it's funny like now I'm seeing it but there was a big shift
2: so no I did not know him but Barney was around all the time and um Because of your dad's build, he was kind of shorter legged, larger torso, Mm -hmm. a regular car. He couldn't sit in because it was so cars
1: were getting a littler.
2: So he had the two station wagons that were identical. Barney drove one and one was that your dad drove. Um, And they they put those bubble tops on them so that he could sit in it and his head would not be touching, Mm -hmm. touching the top. So it was pretty funny.
1: We have one in the uh, exhibit. Oh, do you? Yeah. Uh, he gave one to his uh, ranching partner, Louie Johnson, uh-huh. down yep, in uh, yep. Arizona. And uh, Alice, his widow, still has it and loaned it to us to put in the, uh, in That's the exhibit. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. It's really neat. Yeah. And it's all like, it's that green color. It's all original. It has like mag wheels on it. It was like Crager style mags yeah, or something. Yeah, I mean, people. You know who did those cars was George Barris, the same guy who oh, did. Oh, Yeah. The Munstermobile, the Batmobile, uh, the Adams family, like all those crazy cars.
2: Yeah. Um, I was just thinking, I kind of made some notes of anything I thought might be fun to talk about. I want to make sure that I got it. But speaking of the car, every kid in town recognizes cars. And this is a story that RJ tells all the time, which I think we all, a lot of us experienced, was he, it was called Savon at the time. Yeah. I so, still call it save on. Yeah, I do too. I still call I it. I always
1: refer to it as, you mean save on.
2: Save on, yeah, save on and market basket.
1: <laughs> yeah, market basket. I still
2: call it market. Basket, I know. Yeah. So in you know the local center where we all did our thing on 17th Street here, um, there was save on and market basket. And your dad inside save on was an ice cream counter. Yeah. Right when you come yeah. in, the first door
1: mm-hmm.
2: it was an ice cream counter. So he he must have liked ice cream because he seemed to go there on a regular and (laughs) (laughs) um you know kids that would ride their bikes from either like ensign or harbor or mariner school after school you know back then everybody kids rode their bikes and that was fine um you know kids would stop at savon to get an ice cream treat afterwards and. This has happened, RJ's experienced but a lot of other people have experienced it too. It's like, if you're a kid in line and he comes in to get his ice cream, he just like paid for everybody everybody that was in line to get their ice cream.
1: Yeah, he was good like that. Yeah. And he loved kids. Yeah, so You'd see him like perk up when there were kids somewhere. Yeah, I I was somewhere, I don't know, last year, and it was a group of guys and we were all talking and the guy goes, I was, you know... 17 or 18 and I was on PCH and I was trying to get to Lag- Colonel Mar Laguna and I got my thumb out and this weird car pulls over <laughs> and I look inside and it's John Wayne and he goes, your dad gave me a ride and he goes, not only did he take me, he took me right to the house. You know? Oh my gosh. He, it's like a fond memory of his. It's really cool that he could
2: Well, it's. I mean that is, if you had the opportunity to like talk to a lot of people that grew up around here, you would probably have a ton of stories like that that and again you don't know how he touched all these different people in like small ways unless you've you know like that have run into somebody that's told you that story you know but
1: certainly since I took over the our family business I have a a much broader view of him than I did when I first started Uh, uh and then you know much deeper uh, and wider appreciation for him, uh, just in going through files and seeing how he handled search, certain situations, and then interacting with people who had uh, who interacted with him. And that was a you know it was a tough time for him. You know like his, his relationships falling apart. He's got some financial issues. He's got health issues. You know that was a that was a tough time for him. And I can remember like. How happy he would be if he'd go to make a movie or he'd get to go, do, you know, get on right. The Wild Goose or do something that was just a, out from under all that, like, heavy admin stuff yeah. that he had to deal with.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, he loved The Wild Goose for sure. Yeah. Um, gosh, I'm totally drawing a bank. Who was the captain of The Wild Goose? Bert. Well, Bert.
0: Oh, Bert. Bert.
1: Yeah, yes. Bert. Yes, Bert. So Bert Minshaw. Yeah. Yes, but do, did you know anybody prior no, to now? Bert? Bert,
2: yeah. So Pete I was in Stein the Bert Barney, or... so was a Daisy was the, era. the
1: Captain Forever, Pete Stein, real salty guy, mustache, tough looking. Talked back to my dad. They'd yell at each other, <laughs> like you know, just drank a bunch, you know. It was on a charter down in San Diego, and and one of those uh, breakwaters goes submerges at high tide, and he had a bunch of gals on there, like a ladies' card group, and chartered the boat for a sunset cruise and. Pete had been drinking and he drove the boat up over the reef and tore out the bottom and all the running gear and everything. It was a big disaster. Oh Everyone had to be rescued and the boat had to get towed in. And you know, it was very bad. And <laughs> so Pete had to go before the board of the Coast Guard or whatever, and he died the night before of <gasps> a massive heart attack. No. And then they, you know, Bert was always the first mate. And Bert's brother was the engineer who worked down in the engine room and in the Wild Goose. If you were up in the bridge you'd you'd call for a certain power setting forward or reverse and it would you know ring a bell down there and you'd see the levers move and you look at those levers and then you'd you'd grab these big levers that were right on the transmissions and you'd squeeze this thing and then you'd move and try to give what they were requesting up there and they'd have those little tubes with a brass cap you'd flip the thing open and you'd and you'd whack it and you'd go like <laughs> All oh, I had quarter, you know, you could talk to the guy <laughs> through the tube. <laughs> like that oh was the my gosh. To the engine room. So these two guys were from Liverpool, England. Ken was the engineer. He was fantastic. He kept that boat in tip-top shape, worked his ass off, but he would get seasick. The minute <laughs> we pulled out of the harbor.
2: Oh my gosh. And he walked around the
1: trash can, was sick the entire time.
2: Oh, how miserable.
1: He... He took the boat, my, when my dad first got the boat, uh, Teddy Wingfield uh, was on it. And they went down through the Panama Canal, through the Caribbean, over to North Africa, into the Med, Spain, all that stuff. Uh, that's where Ken called his brother Bert, who was in the Air Force mm-hmm. in England. He said he, was, uh, he had to drive a big crane and it was like frozen and icy in, in England. And he said, I got a call from my brother from Gibraltar said, do you want to come work on John Wayne's yacht? <laughs> and He goes, he, I just dropped the phone <laughs> and ran to the train station and went straight there. And those guys uh, worked on the boat my my entire life. Yeah. Ken eventually got married when computer dating first mm-hmm. came out before photos. When it was like the punch cards and he matched with the girl and they're still together.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: And then uh, he and Bert both lived in a, a little mobile home over here off like Whittier and uh bert stayed there until a couple months ago he he went to a a home for uh you know people who worked right. on the sea and so he's over there yeah, now wow yeah yeah but my gosh you know I mean, we crawled on bert all day long on that boat <laughs> you know we just he was our guy
2: he was a nice guy
1: yeah swimming snorkeling hiking whatever
2: yeah so fun
1: he took the pressure off my dad. Yes.
2: Yeah. Well, that was good. That was good. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was, and, you know, kind of just what you were saying, or I was saying about how you don't know the impact that he had. Like, again, another RJ story is that I know you were talking to, you've talked to Tom Saftic, Yeah. And uh, Ernie, his dad. Yeah. And your dad, obviously, right. were good friends. And uh, they would... Go out to lunch and whatnot, and then because Tom was playing football at Harbor High School, after they would go out to lunch, they would go and watch the practice.
1: Oh, cool. Of,
2: and RJ played football with Tom Saptik. You do? Yeah.
0: Okay, cool.
2: And so he always
1: says how,
0: Have like, Have you talked to him in the uh, last? I, I see Tom every once in a while. We give out a couple of scholarships for Newport Oh, Harbor cool. Awesome. Tom's just a, he was just a, you know, he were teammates, and, and you know, you look up. Tackled by somebody, and you look up, and there's, you know, like Ernie yelling at you, and then your dad, comes, yeah, good play, you know, whatever. <laughs> it was, you go. That Mr. Wayne? Yes, it is. Wow. Yeah, it
1: was That's cool. cool.
0: Really cool. They hung out at the Newport Harbor back in that. We called it the Cow Pasture back where we used to practice. Yeah. And uh, they'd come there, standing, you know, stand around, and watch us for a
1: couple hours. It is it crazy how they fenced all that in? It is. Everything's fenced in now. Yeah. You know, I, I try to go up and run stairs at the high school, and you can't get in anymore. And I'm like, what? If something does happen, you're trapped inside there. Yes, you're there. trapped. You're not You can't out. figure out how to get out. Like, who? Well, I just I don't get it. Yeah, I know. And,
2: and like Ensign, how they have the... It's, it's sad. It's sad.
1: I don't know. Maybe they have to do it. I don't but, know. But I guess... I, the, it was so open. It was so open and like, fun uh, back then, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> at Harbor, you'd run over to Oakwood, jump in the jacuzzi, go back, go back to Harbor. <laughs>
2: Uh, Those were the days, right? Yeah,
1: it was fun.
2: But I I guess the the point of that story, too, is just that I think it's pretty you'll never know how widespread his impact was on people and how just like, you know, that meant that was a big thing, you know, for the guys on the football team to have him come out there and watch their practice. And, you know, I think in this community, that people that have been here forever, he impacted a lot of people's lives Mm. for sure.
1: Mm. That's so cool you're on the team with Tom Safdick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Ernie was, uh, my dad was with Ernie when he went on that trip to South America where he met my mother Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know what they were doing but they were, they were, I think he was trying to finalize his divorce from his second wife and they're just like get out of town like go away and so he and ernie went on this thing and they were you know they were like flying around south america and central america and checking things out and having a good old time yep did you know ernie saftig at all
0: yes just through um just you know, through tommy to tom and, and uh ernie was very involved with tom and He was always a classic to see too. I mean, he said, I remember that that, that crew, crew cut, cut. Deal he had. man. And he was, you know, that guy was like a like five bowling balls put together. He didn't want to mess with Mr. Saff.
1: No, and he always wore those topsiders, the cream colored topsiders, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forever. I don't can't remember what those are called. I don't even know if you can still get them.
0: I hope not. Man. But uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, just a great guy. Yeah. So much a part of my life. Him and, and Myrna, she would make hot pepper jelly every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were. He he was, you know, one of my dad's closest and best friends. Yeah. Lifelong, and they met in the South Pacific during World War II. Ernie was on PT boats. And my dad was doing a tour down there, and uh, he went somewhere with Ernie, and they got stuck for a couple of days, and you know, stuff happened, and uh, then I think when he went to make they were expendable, he called Ernie and said, hey. Got this opportunity, we want to do it, and from that point on, they were were very close. Again, this is all before my time, so I'm just giving you what I've heard.
2: No, he was a nice man. I remember because they, Tom grew up on Lido. They lived Mm -hmm. on Lido, so you know, through the years, rode the school bus with Tom. I did, you know, to school and whatnot. And his dad was the um, like Boy Scout leader for the lido boys so oh. to speak so yeah i've known tom for a long time too
1: yeah it was like he tom came up and, and spent the day with us here and we talked and uh, we, you know we didn't get through an eighth of what we could have talked about i want to go see him again just go have lunch with him or something maybe we, all three of us could do it or four of us yeah whatever sounds fun yeah it'd be cool well julie gosh anything else about <laughs> me i've forgotten <laughs> I'm sure I could come up with <laughs> a few things.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, sometimes you hear
1: things about yourself and you're like, Oh I wish I <laughs> wish I hadn't done that. But that I feel good about, that I don't feel so good about. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny too when you're when you're his kid, there's a lot more there's a lot of eyes on you. For sure. And For sure. As a kid you don't realize it. I didn't realize it. Right. I had no idea. That there was a giant John Wayne billboard behind me. Yeah. You know, you just think back and you're like, how did I miss that? Yes. How do you miss that?
2: Yeah. And that's tough on a kid in high school. I mean, teenage years are not the best anyway. Everybody's going through a lot of stuff and then you have expectations put on you that um, maybe are probably unrealistic and it makes it a lot harder.
1: Yeah, or you just you just kind of move away from them. you know, right. like, there's a lot of heat over there. Not going that way. Yes. yes. Anyway, well, thanks for coming out and talking You're to welcome. us. You're
2: welcome. It was super fun.
1: Yeah, this was easy and this was great.
2: Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the John Wayne Gritcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you like what you heard, give us five stars in the Apple podcast app and follow us on social media at John Wayne Official.
1: Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go.